This is Everyday Therapist with your hosts, Cody Northup and Rich Campbell. Well, welcome to our first, very first ever episode of Everyday Therapist. As the intro said, I am one of your hosts, Cody Northup, and I'm really excited to get this thing kicked off and going, but I'm not your only host. My new and dear friend, Rich, is also with me here today. How are you, Rich? I'm good, thanks. Good. Good, and I'm, I'm excited to excited to get this going with you. It's, I think it's going to be a fun journey. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited too. I'm nervous, not quite sure where it's heading, um, and I'm trying to stick to one of my sort of values, which is to just take opportunities where they come up and so you presented this opportunity to me and so here I am and we'll, we'll see see where it goes yeah I love that Rich. I love that I, I'm, I'm really excited as well I'm also feeling a bit nervous uh too but um I, I think this will be fun and um uh, I want to I want to dive into those those feelings of nervousness a little bit but one thing that I was thinking that would be fun to get started is to help people get to get to know who we are a little bit and, and share who we are and, and where we've come from. I think maybe at this point they they maybe noticed our different accents already. So <laughs> I think that would be kind of fun to be able to share that and give a couple of different perspectives. So I don't know, Rich, yeah. are you you okay with that? Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, why don't you uh, why don't you jump in? Tell us about your job. You yeah, okay. So so my name's Rich, obviously. I'm from uh well I actually live in Manchester now which is in the north of England for anyone in America who's listening, which is, this is weird straight away because I don't usually, uh, I, I literally know nobody in America except you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, oh, I'm great. here in the north. Is... Um, I grew up in a, well, near a city called Chester. I don't know. Do you know Chester at all, Cody? I I don't. Um, I, I've, I'm familiar with the name because, like you and I were talking when we when we first met. I I took a trip out to England last year, and we took a, a road trip and drove about 1,300 miles uh, from Bristol all the way up to Scotland and, and back down. And so, uh, we sort of passed the area of Chester. We drove through Manchester, and so I, I saw Chester all the way. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's about my extent of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know how much detail to go in here, so feel free to, to, to jump in with questions, but I grew up in Chester. Um, I had the sort of cliche high school tale of not being very good at school and not knowing what I wanted to do and all the rest of it. I'm from an academic family, which is, which is kind of a curse in the background for, for my situation of sorts. Um, and I left school. I was actually a painter and decorator when I left school. And I did many other things as well, including uh, music technology. And I was a, a live sound engineer, but not a particularly good one. I was actually a grumpy sound engineer. That, that <laughs> cliche. I used to get annoyed at bands who, who thought they were good when they weren't and they couldn't even <laughs> tune their instruments. Um, oh. so I, I did that. And then the very, very short story is when i grew up a little bit and i decided i needed to make a living i became an electrician because at that point um there was a real skills shortage so that was something that i i thought i could do i thought i was probably capable of wiring stuff up seeing as though i was a sound engineer so i became an electrician um 
then that progressed into working in what we call the smart homes industry. I think you might call it custom install, maybe in the States. Okay, yeah, uh-huh. So I worked in that, and then one of the manufacturers, um, a lighting controls company that I used to install their equipment, I ended up working for that company. And then I now work in technical sales, and I am one of those people that doesn't like salespeople. And now I'm a salesperson. So that's that was pretty much me. Okay, yeah, that's great. I mean, that's that's uh, that's fun. That's a, that's quite the journey from being a sound technician to to an electrician. How mm-hmm. long have you been? Yeah. How long have you been a, a sales technician at this point? Um, it's actually a frightening amount of time. It, it'll be fourteen years next year, and okay. um, I should I should really just take a little step back there because I, I work in technical sales, and, and that's something that. Um, out of some sort of insecurity, I'm always keen to tell people that I work in technical sales, like that somehow, you know, like I'll be forgiven for being a salesperson because it's a technical thing. And I, and I think, in, again, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the States, uh, I think sales people are treated or thought of very differently. Over here, you can kind of get labeled with, you know, secondhand car salesman type person not that there's anything wrong with that but it, it's just it's just a, something that you you know people kind of make a judgment and and people yeah we all make judgments about all sorts of things but i i'm a technical well i'm quite a technical person in some ways and because of my experience working as an electrician um my boss who's still my current boss thought it might be an idea to get me into the company and go out and talk to contractors and talk to people about how these systems go together so i almost got almost like um tricked into a sales position so they they would just say go out and hang out with these people show them what to do fix that guy's problem go out and program that system do this do this and then after about six months they started asking me what um you know what sort of sales were coming in and then it's like i'm in a sales role and i and i had all sorts of wrestling to do around that but um you know the company had been really good to me and so so here i am and you know that's that's how that came about yeah yeah and i, I can relate to some of that because i'll share uh once i once i start talking about myself a little bit is, is I've, I've been in sales a little bit too and so it definitely has that stigma and it kind of comes with that and and in some ways um you you almost get nervous to tell people that you're in sales because they worry that you're going to go into some type of pitch or trying to get them to buy something, no matter where it might be. Yeah, yeah. And this is, and I don't want to go too far off the track, but one of the things, um, one of the posts that I put out was about, you know, that sort of authenticity type thing. And, and I realized, and I actually said in my counseling, um, uh, counseling college on my first day, I sort of, you know, potentially had a bit of a mask that needs to be taken off. I need to kind of deconstruct this character because, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to be a counsellor, I, I need to be my sort of authentic self. And then I realised after mulling that over for a week, actually, that on my level two counselling college, I definitely kept that salesman bit hidden from the group for fear of judgment. And I thought... It's so funny. I'm literally doing exactly the same thing in this world where I'm supposed to be open and authentic and congruent, um, and I'm playing the same 
uh, or not the same role, but I'm also keeping parts of my personality hidden and, you know, but I guess that's all part of the journey anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's it, funny, isn't it? Like we live our whole lives and, and I think society, and it's interesting to hear it over there in the UK because I know society here is very individualistic and you don't share a lot of things and you try and keep a lot of stuff locked in or locked out. And even opening up and being vulnerable is sometimes looked at as being weak. And so I think we're taught to just be tough and to, to not share different parts of ourselves except for whatever is needed. And it sounds like maybe you're carrying some of that over into your, into this new journey as well. Definitely. And, and the other thing that makes it more complicated, I think is that, um, you do, you know, you do keep parts of yourselves hidden. Um, but that's probably the right thing to do because, you know, I mean, we could explore this, but if you go into, you know, if I went into a sales meeting, for instance, and you know, someone says, how's it going? And I go, well, actually, you know, on the drive in, I felt yeah, a huge sense of anxiety about who I was going to meet. And I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. And, you know, I'm actually wrestling with myself about my role you know, as a salesperson. I mean, that would be a complete disaster. So obviously there's <laughs> the, that context is you know, where do you talk about that stuff? But I mean, what I've experienced at work is that there's there's a lot of I don't know what it's like over there, but there's this sort of uh, narrative at the moment in the country, which is everyone's talking about mental health. You know, let's all be open about mental health. Yeah, my experience is in the workplace, nobody's talking about mental health whatsoever. Um, and if you go there, um, you know, even if you sort of test the waters a little bit and see if anyone's interested in having those conversations. By it might be different for other people, but my experience is, is, is people aren't open to having those conversations. And again, it, it could be to do with the context of, of that conversation. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious at a rich, what, I mean, this is, this is a complete change for you going from, um, technical cells and keeping parts that you hit into, um, starting to go to counseling college and, and, and change of, of career path and direction what what do you think led you to, to start looking at making that change um again this is something that i tried to well i did have a bit of a think about this and i haven't got an answer <laughs> which is it's a really difficult one I, I think you know i'm kind of really well kind of reluctant to give an answer because i'm sure i'm unsure whether it'd be an accurate one but if I had to say something, I suppose I've always been on, there's always, well, maybe I could say I've always had mental health problems, which sounds like such a, a sort of cliche thing to say these days. Um, but as far back as I can remember, particularly around the age of sort of maybe 11 or 12, I started to think that there was something not quite right with me, which is maybe just a teenage thing. Yeah, it probably um, is is part of that, and um, I, uh, you know, I'm happy for you to ask me questions about that. But I sort of struggled in those years, and that got progressively worse until I was around twenty twenty one, and then I, you know, I, well, I basically what had what we call depression, and I was on some medication for that, and that kind of sent me off into to a world of of. Uh, 
thinking about mental health in some ways. Um, but then I did actually manage to, I was going to say pull myself together, which is a terrible thing to say because obviously, you know, that's luck, I guess. But somehow I managed to kind of get myself together and put some sort of a normal life together. Um, but it's always been there in the backgrounds. And so I'm around that and um, there is some other stuff in in my family. So this whole mental health thing has always been in, in the midst kind of thing. Um, as to what's actually drawn me towards it now, it's difficult except to say I feel like I've had enough experience in life now where I feel like I could actually help some younger people who are setting off on their their, their journey. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of quite interested in working with with young, not really young people, but maybe people in their early twenties and whatever. And and you know, seeing if I can help them along. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it, it makes it makes a lot of sense, and I actually love that, and I love your vulnerability. I think you and I have talked about that's one thing that we really want this podcast to be um, is is open and vulnerable because there is such a stigma around mental health. And if we can give a lot of it extra voice to that it's okay to be vulnerable, then it's actually showing strength and that it hopefully will bring people together and, and more connected. Uh, I think that that could be really really good positive thing and that's what i want to get out of out of this i hope that's what other people and listeners get out of this as well so yeah yeah and you can you kicked it off strong with that with vulnerability and that's that's awesome and I, I love it so good yeah there's just one there's one quick other little thing i'll, I'll tell you about that which is um re, well i think it was the beginning of this year i was out at a trade show and um generally i'm i'm okay my, my sort of mental health's reasonably good but i do dip now and again and i had a particularly bad depressive episode before i went out on this work trip and i it was one of those situations where i managed to do the trip and i was out there with other people and i, I probably came across as reasonably okay but I was kind of having a bit of a crisis inside. And I thought to myself, actually, when I got back, I got back from this thing and I kind of had to spend a couple of days putting myself back together again. And it was really a horrible experience. And I had the idea at that point that it's a bit of a flaky idea in some ways, but I thought about myself being on this trade show stand and I had this idea of having, you could sign up to a scheme where you wore a badge that basically said, look, if you're suffering, I'm somebody that you can talk to, you know, one of those, if you know, you know, kind of thing. And I had this idea about a scheme and anyway, that's all, that's all by the by in some ways, but it made me just think that, you know, I would, if there was somebody else in that position, I'll be happy to talk to them and help them. So that was another thing that kicked it along. I love that. And it's just like, uh, it's a natural support or building, building in supports and, and, yeah, a, a safe place for somebody to talk to that you know you can come up and, and I've been through some things and and I'm willing to listen and, and share my experiences too. So we're in this together. Yeah, and it really just struck me because I, I was looking around this this huge trade show and there's thousands of people and I was like, you know, it was very, it was very male dominated sort of industry, but I was like, I'm not the only body, I'm not the only person here who's who's going through something like this there's there's got to be lots of people and 
and it, you know, it kind of worried me. It's, it's almost like you're looking out for people going, so that they come onto the stand and you start talking about lighting controls. And I'm kind of looking at them, yeah. Are you are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Let's just pretend just that we're not experiencing any of this. <laughs> Who's this crazy man staring at me? I just wanted to know, you know, what color the keypads were. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I love it, Rich. So, I, I appreciate that. So what about you? That... Anyway, that's it. Look at me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I love that, and and one of the things that I'm, I'm really excited um, about this, like I said, is to really dive into to that vulnerability and, and be able to connect with people. So I, I appreciate you introducing yourself that way. And as far as I go, um, yeah, my story is is fairly similar in some ways. I, um, I was born and raised in the state of Utah here in the United States. Uh, for anybody that might be listening over yeah. in the UK, it's um, it's on the uh, the west side of the country, uh, a couple of states inward from from the ocean there. So we are landlocked. Uh, our state doesn't touch any oceans or, or water. I grew up just south of the right. capital, which is called Salt Lake City. So maybe 20, 25 minutes just south of, of our capital city there. And um, I've essentially lived yeah. my whole life in here in Utah. I've only moved, I don't know, maybe another 10 minutes away from there. So my whole life I've lived within probably 10 minutes of, of each other. Um, and, uh, and, and I like it. I like it here in Utah. It's a, it's a beautiful state up here in the northern half of the state. It's all mountains and um, we get tons of snow and uh, one of our little mantras here in Utah is they say the greatest snow on earth and people come from all over the world to come, come ski okay. here in Utah. So, uh, that's beautiful. Although I, I don't, I'm not huge on the snow. I was when I was a kid. I don't do a lot of skiing or snowboarding myself now that I have my own kids. Um, and I prefer summer, but I do like to change in seasons somewhat. Yeah. And then in, in the Southern state of Utah, we actually have five national parks, um, in throughout the state and so we have um a lot of people coming in from all over the world to to see those as well so we're, we're a pretty diverse uh state yeah. which is a pretty fun pretty active community uh, as far as me um following high school i i ended up going into a sales job like i mentioned um, it was insurance sales and so i was selling a lot of auto and home insurance and life and health insurance and I tried that for probably six or so years. Um, I worked underneath uh, an agent, uh, helping to create and grow his business. And I went over to the marketing side and did a lot of marketing for the company that, that I was working for. And then I went back into the sales side of things and, and tried to get that going. And for a while, I thought that I wanted to do my own agency and, and okay. sell insurance under my, my name in this company. And, um, I was really excited about that for for a while but it, at the same time i also felt like i couldn't quite connect it didn't I, th I think it was something that i wanted because i wanted the freedom of, of owning your own agency of owning your own business um i could see yeah. certain aspects like the life insurance and even the retirement that i was really helping people but i could never get past the sales piece i, I was the worst salesman wow. i couldn't i couldn't 
talk people into buying things or if they wanted to get less coverage like i would share why maybe i thought that they should get more coverage but i didn't always agree with the the lines that i would say to you know the yeah. rationales of why they would have to get higher coverage or things and it just never really it never really clicked with with me and so i tried it for a number of years and then i was sitting in the office one day and it was quiet and not, not a lot was going on and i was still having these these moments of second guessing what i was doing even though i was trying my hardest to to become a salesman and it just clicked um and it was a really weird sensation for me and it just clicked it was like it's been about six years and i'm still trying to talk myself into this yeah I've been really stubborn, right? Like the, the signs have been there the whole time and I just haven't been listening. So, um, from that point forward, I didn't know what to do, what to do. I hadn't been focused on anything else. And I went and took some personality tests up at our, our local university here oh, um, okay. to figure out like, Hey, what does my personality look like? And what do yeah. other people that, that are like me? What types of careers are they, are they going into? And how we took a couple of them and. Uh, the field of social work kept coming up and that was new for me. I actually had no idea what social work was. I had so to- this was to, off, the back of, um, off the back of these personality tests. So that, that was a suggestion, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Multiple times it kept coming up and I had no idea what that even meant. So I had to, I had to research it. <laughs> you know, I had to Google what, what is social work and read as much as I could. Uh, I ended up taking an introductory uh, to social work class in uh, up at the University of Utah, and um, fell in love with it. Just thought it was just just fabulous, and piqued my interest. And thought, wow, this is this is what's connecting to me. And right. it was a whole new whole new world. Um, I had so much to learn, and um, in many ways, because I spent so much time in insurance, and then I was kind of going back into into school at this point, I was a little bit on the older side compared to a lot of other okay. college How old students. Were you? Yeah. So I, let's see. So I graduated with my bachelor's in social work when I was 28. So I was probably 26 ish when I started, uh, going back to, back to school. Okay. And, uh, I mean, so I wasn't like. I wasn't like significantly older than, than everybody there, but, but there was definitely, you know, 18, 19 year olds in the class and, 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 uh, so that was an interesting dynamic, but there was also, that was the beautiful thing about social work too, is there was also, you know, people older than me too. And it was really yeah. nice and, and it was really fun to be able to connect, uh, with, with everybody. Cause all of the, we were all had the same interests. Yeah. So I graduated with that, uh, with my bachelor's in social work from the University of Utah in uh, 2013. Okay. And then, and then I went into child welfare and I worked for um, the state of Utah in doing child welfare, um, which was really, really good for me. I had some really, really tough experiences um, working with with kids who had been abused, um, mm -hmm. you know, physically, emotionally, sexually abused with by family members or other people and, and, and trying to go in there and trying to work with these kids and these families. Um, I did that for a little while. And while I was there, I went back to school and got my master's degree in social work. And mm -hmm. I graduated with that in 2019. And so by then I was 30, I believe. 
Yeah, an uh, old man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. So um, it's funny because yeah, it felt um, it felt like I was I was figuring out a career a little bit later than a lot of people that I was going to school with or a lot of people that I was I was getting to know. But I also noticed that a lot of my life experience seemed to help. Um, there was yeah. conversations that we would have that, I mean, I had two kids before I even started back into my bachelor's program. Okay. Um, and so I, you know, and, and two kids and a mortgage and, um, yeah. I don't know if I'd call it a failed career, but at least I tried, <laughs> tried career in sales and, uh, I just had more life experience than some of the other people that I was meeting and, and, and I felt like that helped me in a lot of ways. Can I ask you a question about, so when you were in, in insurance working in sales, did you have your children at that point? Yeah. 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 So my wife and I, um, we actually went to high school together and so, and okay. we dated through most of, most of high school. And so then got married shortly after that and had kids. Uh, I think I was 20 when we had, when we had kids. So yeah, I, I have two kids now and I had, I had two kids then by the time they went back to school. So all the way through my bachelor's down my master's program uh i was still trying to balance family and, and work at the same time yeah yeah just interesting because um I, it's just reminded me of something so and this is to do with work and career and all this kind of thing so when my son was born my first child i was 28 and i was working as a, an electrical contractor on building sites and i had this view of because i was trying to make something of myself and buy a house and be a dad and all this sort of thing and had this child and assumed that once i had a child i would have a reason to go to work and i would th that would be it solved there'd be no more debate about what i was going to do because i was a, a dad and a, a breadwinner yeah. and you know, two weeks in, I was like, oh, no, I, I still hate doing this. <laughs> it was a real shock to the system. And yeah, I actually, you know, and I, and I kind of joke about it, and it was and it was funny, um, but it was also, I actually suffered as well because I was like, oh, my God, you know, I was sort of supposed to be, uh, you know, this father figure, breadwinner guy now, and actually I just feel a bit lost. And, you know, that was, that was pretty tough. So interesting. Though. So if you were doing that, you, you had... That, that additional pressure and I'm guessing well obviously you had financial responsibilities as well but you managed to do it yeah my bachelor's program was really rough on me and and my family um it was it was hard for a number of reasons but but one of those main reasons was yeah I, mean, I was going to school full-time I was working full-time um I had left the insurance industry and I had found an opportunity to work at a group home for troubled uh teen boys who were struggling with um violence and substance use and that was really my first like full jumping in head first both feet however you want to look at it into social work and mm -hmm. i loved that group home i loved working with those boys i had so much fun but we also had um rotating nights where we'd have to sleep over at the group home because somebody has to be at the at the home and so i would i would i would uh, you know go to go to school in the morning and then as soon as i would get out of school i would go to the group hall and work with the boys and then they would go to bed um i don't remember nine or ten o'clock or so and then i would stay up and try and do as much homework as i as i could and then end up sleeping over 
uh, at the group home and then get up the next morning, get them all off to school. And then sometimes I would end up going, you know, I'd go right back to school myself and then, um, maybe be able to come home that night, but still have homework, you know, when I was able to get home. And so, um, my wife was incredible. She, you know, she held down the fort and took care of the kids for the whole time that I would go through my bachelor's program and, and working. And there was even a, there was even a time that, that sticks out to me about midway through my, my bachelor's program. Um, there were some ethical issues that came up at the group home with another coworker of, of mine and she ended up getting let go. And we also got new house parents. So the, the boys were in a, in a home that was shared by a family that would live there. But us as workers, me and my coworker would go in and, and work 40 hours a week so that the, you know, this family that would also live there could have their own breaks too. And it was right. kind of a separated house so they could okay. have their own private space. Anyway, so the, the, the house family had, had moved out. Um, and they were working on getting a new family to come in and be these house parents. And then in the meantime, we had my coworker have some ethical issues with one of the boys. And so she ended up getting let go. And all of a sudden I found that I was the only employee. I was the only staff member and I was still in school. And so I ended up sleeping over like five, six nights in a row. And again, oh balancing school and trying to still have a family. And so, um, that wore me down quite quickly uh, and quite fast. And so that, I mean, just the whole work and, and school, I mean, it took a toll on us, but my wife was amazing and, um, and we made it, we made it through, even though it was hard for, for quite a while. How old were your children at that stage? Uh, let's see. So they would have been, so my son was born in 2008 and my daughter was born in 2009 and this was 2012-ish, before, okay. maybe four or five, three, four, five, somewhere yeah. around there. I'm busy, busy, right? Like, kids that yeah. don't stop. <laughs> yeah, full on, full on. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I um, I went on to get my master's in social work, and I ended up doing my uh, practicum, which, I don't know, do you guys call it practicum in the UK oh, or internship? No, I don't know what that word means. So, um, how about internship? Uh, I kind of should know what that means. <laughs> okay, no worries. So, uh, basically, as we're going through school, you have to get some work hours in, some experience in, and so you go find an agency and you go work at that agency in in the capacity. Yeah. And so, generally, um, generally, it's volunteer ish. <laughs> like you have to do it to graduate school, but also you're not getting paid, so it's just getting hours yeah. in. Um, yeah, I did that for for uh, an agency here near my house. Yeah, to, to get my hours in. And when I graduated, I ended up staying with that agency. And so, I, and I'm still there today. So it's been four years. Okay. And, um, and I, I continue to do that private clinical practice on the side. Uh, I still work for the state full time, uh, just in a different role now. So I left the child welfare system. I went and did some work in adult protective services mm -hmm. and um, investigated and I was a clinical therapist for um, adults who were being abused or neglected. Um, right. And then I ended up leaving that system and now I'm focusing on the mental health and substance abuse system for the whole state of Utah. Um, so I'm working on a team that we, we look at systems work rather than working with 
direct clients uh, like I was doing in child welfare. So, Did you say systems systems work? Systems work, yeah. Yeah, so working on, on the whole system, it's like, what does that look like from a system? How are we approaching um, mental health and substance use as, as an entire state? Okay, yeah, yeah. I think it'd be a good time to point out the fact that here yeah, that you're because obviously nobody knows about this podcast at the moment and you're highly qualified and experienced and I'm a student <laughs> so obviously there's a big mismatch between us and this is something I think that we're going to talk about aren't we as, as things go on yeah yeah I think it is and I actually you as you and I talked I actually really love that dynamic a little bit um because I think we have a lot of really fun things coming in not just the difference between the two countries in terms of schooling and social work and the way that each country looks at mental health I think that's going to be a fun conversation but but just difference of experience too um one of the things that you and I have talked about is what is what is the audience that we want to listen to this and who who do we feel like we can we can reach out to and i think one of those things is really balancing out everyday people right um maybe yeah. people that are interested in mental health but uh or even self-improvement but are trying to become therapists themselves and and, and not getting too technical um yeah they don't go maybe new therapists and people that are interested in going to therapy and so crosswalking between those two hey. everyday people who are interested in, in self-improvement and then all those others who are interested in, in the career of these types of field i think between my experience and and you stepping in as a student and learning as you go i think that that's really a really good place for us to be to yeah no definitely definitely and i and i, I noticed that you use the word uh, a couple of times self-improvement and that's something that i've been um, really interested in over the last, well, you know, for a long, like long, long time. Um, but I remember when I first got into this, you know, almost accidentally got into this sales role. Um, it was my sister-in-law had left. She worked for some big corporate company somewhere in Sweden. She, she's Swedish. And she left some uh, CDs. This is how old I am. So it's on CDs <laughs> at my house. It was. Um, have you heard of Tony Robbins? Um, yeah, the, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tony Robbins. Yeah, that that guy. I had no clue who Tony Robbins was, by the way. Anyway, so I put these this corporate CD in my CD drive in my uh, car, and it was all about sales. It was like, okay, this is interesting because I'm in sales kind of thing. Um, and I'm, I'm probably going totally off track here, but I listened to this. I think it was three or four CDs, and it was it was highly interesting to me. It was all about the sales process, and he was saying all these things like it's a transference of emotion and and all this stuff. And and it actually sounded quite credible, everything he was saying. But I must say, I listened to it so much because I was really interested in it that at one point towards the end. Um, it actually kind of fell down. There was kind of like a little, just a missing link at the end. And I think that missing link was the fact that potentially you were trying to sell something to somebody that they didn't want. And that no. was my big problem with the whole thing. So that was kind of the end of my uh, interest for a while anyway in, in Tony Robbins. And, and then, um, but what it did do is it kick-started my interest in these sort of self-improvement type because they're quite a lot of sales training stuff is is linked to self-improvement and 
confidence and all this kind of thing. And and when I was first out on the road um, selling lighting controls, um, I was not confident at all in what I was doing. And so, so, so some of this stuff was quite interesting to me. And I very much used to hide behind a, a sort of technical front. And I, and I cringe looking back at some of my first meetings that I went to, whereas I would sit down with a product list and literally go through it page by page with the customer. This is this product, this costs this much, this costs that much. And then, like, that, that's what I did. And then, right. then quite quickly, I realized that actually I didn't really need to say much at all to these people. And yeah. I just need to, you know, this is maybe exaggerating a little bit, but I sort of felt that all I actually need to do is just listen to people and actually shut my mouth. And um, so the sales and self-improvement sort of thing has, has been a bit of a theme for me over the last over the last 10 to 15 years, I would say. Yeah, and you know what's, you know what's interesting in, in the different ways of confidence, building confidence in, in sales field versus like social work field? is one thing that we we focus on in therapy is uh not necessarily the the fake it till you make it type of approach that you get in sales right like Mm -hmm. just walk in and act confident act like you know the answers and and keep your back straight and strong and you know you'll get you'll get better results that way and in social work and, and i do this with a lot of clients in my practice is we try to stop building self-confidence um and focus more on self-compassion okay and it's such an interesting transition to watch people and to to go through and i mostly have these conversations with people coming from sales or coming from like really high-end corporate big you know expectation positions where they feel like they have to command and demand the room because that's what has been worked and that's the environment that they're in and so then they get in my office and they're like talking about how they're not as self-confident as they look and so i start trying to help them them transition from well let's stop building self-confidence and let's build more self-compassion and be vulnerable and open like you're saying is listen more and mm-hmm. and just be present and part of life rather than just uh results driven yeah and so it's an interesting, it's definitely an interesting transition. It's a whole different way of looking at self-improvement, isn't it? Versus just like building confidence and compassion. Yeah. And I, and so I, you know, I don't want to pretend that I've got the answers to, to working in sales because I really haven't. And there's lots of guys that have absolutely crushed it. And I, I feel a little bit bad at the, the beginning where I sort of said, you know, I don't really like salespeople, but it, what it is, is that image of somebody trying to sell you something that you don't want and... And being inauthentic, I guess. And if there was one, you know, if for some reason somebody was to ask my advice about sales, honestly, the the magic bullet, if there was one, is just honesty. And uh, I appreciate that I'm in a really fortunate position because the stuff that I'm involved in is people are coming to us for technical advice and they actually want the product already and they're just trying to work out whether they're emotionally comfortable with parting with a lot of cash that's basically what it is um and spend a lot of time listening to people and and 
you know, kind of helping them through their own thinking about whether they want to do something. And often part of the job is going, you know what, I don't, I don't think this is actually for you. I don't think you need us and I think you should go and do something else. And that's, I really, you know, hopefully my boss is not listening, but I really enjoy that <laughs> side of it. It's so enlightening yeah. because it's like, you don't need me. You don't need to spend this money and you don't need me. You could go off and do this and you're going to have, have better results. Um, but that really frees me up as well, though, when I am required and we do have something of value to offer, you know, you can confidently, you know, hand on heart, go, look, this is definitely, this is definitely worth doing. Um, yeah. So I think I've, I've learned a lot of lessons, but it's interesting you saying about these, these people coming to therapy with you and sort of saying, I'm not as confident as I look and this sort of self-compassion thing, because it's, you know, it's obviously it's easier said than done, isn't it? And to be in that sort of environment um, and actually have the confidence to be vulnerable. And it depends what you mean by vulnerable as well, because we were, we were talking about the context of it and, you know, how, how far do you go with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's different in every scenario and, and every person is a little bit different. And, um, you know, speaking of vulnerability, that's one thing that I, I thought would be fun for us to talk about on this first episode too. And, and you've leaned into it a little bit already, but, um, just this vulnerability of what it's like for us to start this podcast, not knowing where it's going to go or if anybody's going to listen or even what we're, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we trying to get out of this? Right? Like, yeah, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I've been wrestling with this because I wrestle with everything that I do, and I had a bit of a. And I, <laughs> I sent you a message yesterday, which was basically me having a little bit of a panic, going, God, you know, <laughs> what what we're doing, um, and again, I, I don't really have an answer, but something that I'm I'm keen on is this idea of, of following your curiosity. Um, and it's not, it's not my idea. It's, there's it, lots of you know, material I've listened to, things I've read and, and you don't always know this idea that you don't actually always know what's controlling you in a sense, you know, you don't, you can't decide what you're interested in. Um, and also to a certain extent, you can't decide how your life's going to go. And, and I think that I, you know, I feel pulled towards this whole mental health thing. And I think we should perhaps mention Substack here quickly, actually. So we're both writers on Substack and yeah. this podcast will go out. It's going to go out on all formats, but it'll also go out on Substack, which is like a blogging site, would you call it? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Yeah. So I've started a blog on Substack and the the idea of it was to sort of create a community where people who were training to be counsellors could come and and connect and, and we can sort of discuss certain ideas. Um, and that's been a, a leap of faith. I don't really know why I'm doing it, but I just feel compelled to do it. I'm interested in it. So I thought, right, I'm going to do that. And, and I think I mentioned in my first article that I wrote that I don't know where this journey is going to take me. You know, and that's that's one of the exciting things about it. But I'm prepared, I think, just about <laughs> gotten confidence to go, right, I'm gonna head down this road and, and see what happens. Um, you kindly presented this opportunity to me and said, Yeah, how about we jump on a podcast together? 
and I was like, yeah, that sounds interesting. And again, I'm curious about it. So I I don't know. I don't know where, you know, where it's going to take us. And it is all quite, you know, it is a bit of an odd situation, all this. But yeah, for me, it's curiosity and seeing where it goes. How about you? Yeah, I, I'm very similar, actually. I, um, I've always had this... I love that you were using the word curiosity because I had a I had a supervisor once um, tell me that I have a, a natural curiosity about me, and for whatever reason that has really resonated with me for I don't know the last decade, the last ten years since they told me that, and right. I I just really love that, and I, I kind of took that to heart, and I think that that's kind of what has driven me to this point as well. I have always wanted to be involved in continuous learning environments. I loved school. I couldn't get enough of, of debates and conversations and learning situations in school. And then, um, I even, uh, have a, a, a number of friends that, you know, will send different things out of like, Hey, I learned this or, Hey, I, you know, I read this today. Um, what do you thought? What are your thoughts on on this article or, or things like that? And I, I just I love that. I've I've tried to incorporate that type of thing into different social media platforms that I've been on. I've I've tried to write various articles um, just to share with other people, uh, and I've done that on and off for a little while for a few years. Yeah. Um, at one point, I even. Um, I even wrote, I had a, a couple of people that I had no idea that they were just on social media. I said, Hey, I'm thinking about, um, doing this semi public therapeutic letter. Um, is it, would anybody be interested in writing me a, a story about what they might be struggling with? And I'll tell you from a therapist perspective, like what I think would be health healthy and okay. a good way for you to look at. And so I had, yeah. you know, about three or so people write to me. And I, then I turned around and, and, and wrote letters back to them from a therapist perspective of, Hey, this yeah. is, you know, this is some grief and loss. And this is what that looks like. And, and, and just shared that. And I don't, I don't know, for some reason, I've always had this desire and interest and curiosity to be involved in ongoing educational settings. Yeah. And, um, I have this, have this, this good friend here, uh, that lives here in Utah with me that uh, introduced me to Substack and for a while, I kind of hemmed and hawed around it and him and I back and forth. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this and what is it really like? And, um, yeah. he finally talked me into doing it. And so I went for it and I started writing articles. Um, and I've been doing set, putting, putting articles out weekly. Um, and generally they've been a mix of a uh, journal and a therapeutic idea, right? Something that I experienced throughout the week or out the month. And, and what, what would that look like from a therapist's perspective? And, um, mm. I love stuff, Zach. I really like it, but also, um, there wasn't a ton of interaction on it, at least not yet. Like it takes time to build. Right. And so I wasn't getting the interactional piece that, that I really crave and love yeah. from those environments. And, but now I, I'm looking at it and I, I'm really excited about it because um, I came across your posts and I connected with them very quickly. And yeah. um, I started commenting on a couple and and most of them, we started talking about the differences between the UK and the, and the States 
in, yeah. in different ways of Hasco and um, yeah, and then from there I just thought, you know what, let's this is something I wanted to do for a while. So let's let's see if Rich is interested. We really <laughs> only we really only maybe maybe written about ten ten sentences together back and forth, but let's yeah. uh, let's give this a go. And and now we're here we are, and I I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, me too, me too. And, and I think it's I just think it's a really good opportunity, and um, you know I, I'd I'd love it if people start if we can create a bit of a community and people can get involved and and also for me i mean it's just the chance to have these types of discussions and this goes back to something that i was saying earlier in the podcast that there's you know generally in our society i'm sort of repeating myself here but there's this big emphasis on you know discussing mental health um but it's really not happening, especially in the workplace, and oh, and man. even among, amongst friends and family, it's kind of like you know it's a difficult topic to talk about. And um, of course, it depends what's wrong because it's this massive field, isn't it? I mean, people have all sorts of trauma and terrible things happen to them. Um, I'm one of those privileged people that just has this kind of underlying continuous thing you know there's all sorts of things going on and it's just i don't know it's just not, i don't believe it's really acceptable in society or maybe people don't know how to have these conversations and so if you know if i can help people do that in some manner that that would be a good thing yeah that's that's my thoughts too and even if we can even help just a couple of people here and there and, and by just sharing, just sharing our experience, maybe that will, maybe that will help other people. And, and, um, that's what I'm really hoping for. But with, with that, with what you said, I'd love to, um, kind of jump into what I was hoping what else we could cover on this, on this first episode is that's like, what to expect going forward. Um, if anybody's going to listen to this, like what, what do we want this podcast to be? I mean, I know I have a number of things that I would like this to go, but what about you? What are your What are your thoughts? How would you like this to go, and what would you like to see on here? Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to give you that a very good answer for this because, <laughs> <laughs> as I said, I, I kind of like I tried to think about it, and for some reason, and I'm guessing this is that kind of classic anxiety type thing. Every time I tried to think about it, my mind just went a bit blank. So I kind of thought, well, let's just jump into it and, and see what happens and again this is this is going off on a little bit of a tangent but I knew one thing that came up for me was that I had this feeling of anxiety kind of looming about the prospect of of doing this and that sat with me yesterday and obviously we're seven hours ahead of you here and, uh, and it sat with me today as well and I was thinking I don't like this feeling. This is this is uncomfortable. And then I thought, and actually, I remember this, and and I've had experiences, and and people who suffer from anxiety will appreciate this. Is that that horrible feeling of tension and nervousness about something? Um, you know, in my unprofessional opinion, when you're suffering from anxiety, that's there continuously, and I know I've had that for weeks at a time. And I'm just sat there thinking, I actually can't tolerate this much longer. I'm just, it feels like there's something about to happen, really anxious about it. And th there's no relief. 
you know, and you can do stuff like go out for a walk, try and get some sleep, eat the right foods, do some deep breathing, you know, go for a run, cycle, all, all these things, and you've still got this this feeling. Um, so it just made me appreciate in, in the light of, of what we're talking about, I'm like, you know, people who suffer from anxiety, it's a real, it's a real struggle. So that might be one topic, one light-hearted topic I'd like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love. It. I, I am kind of a, in some ways, I'm a quite a gloomy person as well. So you know, if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you don't mind a bit of gloomy discussion because, uh, which is another thing which obviously people don't want to talk about because. If you're again going back to the workplace, if other people are having a reasonable day and yeah, just ticking along and everything's going fine, and then somebody like me comes in and goes, you know, do you realise there's all this suffering in the world and you know <laughs> we're all going to die? <laughs> right. right. How do you actually really feel about your career? Do you want to be here? <laughs> and what's going on at home? Because you know you're presenting this sort of exterior. Uh, facade to me that everything's all right and i can't believe that that's the case so you know it's obviously a bit too heavy for the day-to-day so perhaps going forward this is a kind of um self-indulgent platform in a way to to talk about some of the things that i want to talk about and um but yeah hopefully that will help other people um the, you know they'll, they'll feel that it's acceptable to feel like that or talk in that way yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think that, um, I mean, I think the anxiety involved in the podcast is is normal. <laughs> like, this is our first episode, right? I think that that's there. But I do love that, that you're open enough to describe the, the first, you know, just anxiety in general and what that's like. And um, I look forward to our future lighthearted mental health conversations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, um, it's good. It's always uh, that there is always. Is there always a light-hearted side? I don't know if there is. <laughs> that might be a terribly ignorant thing to say, but um, you know, I do find things funny, uh, and and some of the, the even like I, I do a bit of um, blog, well, blogging as as you know, and I write some stuff. Yeah, I try and write something for Substack. I think, you know, even though this is a mental health type therapy discussion, I'm like, that is, that is too grim. (laughs) (laughs) I have to to take a step back and go, you know, come on, it's, it's somebody's trying to read this in a lighthearted, yeah, they're just flicking through something on their phone. They don't want to know about that kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't know how deep it'll go and, and, but hopefully if we've got some humor in there as well, it's going to help things you know tick along yeah yeah i i do i do hope that as well and, and that's actually one of the things that i'm i'm hopeful that this podcast can can help turn into is i would love to be able to bring people on who have been through therapy sessions and uh of course we would you know have to change their name and any information so that they you know keep the, keep it confidential for them um yeah. But bring them on and just talk about what their experience is like going through therapy and uh, things that they enjoyed, things that they didn't, uh, what they wished it was, and or or maybe what they wished it wasn't, and just really help to really destigmatize that mental health field and have those discussions to to let mm-hmm. everybody know that it's it's we're all human and we're all 
on this planet and, and we're all in it together and, and none of us are nearly as put together as we present that we are. So yeah. I, I'm really hoping yeah. that we that we'll be able to meet some people along the way who are willing to come on and, and tell their story and their journey of going through through that. Yeah. I did discuss this slightly with um, a couple of old college friends from the, the level two course. Some of them are subscribers to my Substack feed, so um, if they can tolerate it, they might listen to this uh, me rambling on here. And I did ask a couple of them whether, well, one guy in particular, whether he'd be interested in in talking, and he uh, he tentatively. Well, not quite agreed, but said he might be interested in doing something like that. So he could be our first victim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that was better than a no. So that's you're gonna have to bring some of those some of those sales tactics in to really finish him off and make sure he commits. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't do that. I, 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 I can just say, look, listen to this and 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 see if you want to come on it. But um, there was. Oh. It was really my first experience actually going to college and meeting quite a few people who'd, um, you know, had counseling and, and psychotherapy. And I heard snippets of different things, like some are person centered, uh, somebody had had EMDR, uh, somebody had done a little bit of CBT. And these, all these words were brand new to me as well. I was like, I don't know what EMDR is. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd sort of heard of CBT and, Actually, it's something that I'd always dismissed in the past as because I'm quite a stubborn person. So I was like, I didn't really think, I was kind of like, I can't imagine CBT would ever work for me. Um, but it was interesting hearing just little bits of people's experience. But it was also tricky because obviously people are going there for personal reasons and you didn't want to pry too much as to what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely directly. Well, why why do you go to therapy? <laughs> it's like it's a big question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So anybody that's that would come on would have to be would have to be comfortable sharing their story. And so um it'll be interesting to find out who who's 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 in who wants to be able to do that and, and who's not quite comfortable doing that. So uh but speaking of speaking of those other those therapeutic modalities that you mentioned, the MDR and the C B T and the person center. Uh, that's part of also what I thought would be fun to bring on to, yeah. to the podcast is we could talk about the different modalities and, and how they're structured and um, what people can expect um, through each of those different ways of that a therapist might think. So mm -hmm. um, we we also use a diagnosing manual here in the United States called the DSM, and yeah. uh, that's what we we look at when we are working with clientele and maybe what we see that they're having some signs of depression, we might, you know, use that to diagnose that they might have major depressive disorder or anxiety if they have anxiety disorders or bipolar or any of the other uh, diagnoses out there. I'd love to have a, an episode that's, that's based off of that manual and what that looks like and actually yeah. even the history of it because we're on number five right now and I'd love to go through the history of how diagnoses change and the mm -hmm. way different ways we look at different mental health functions. I'd actually um I'd not heard of that document and um or that book or manual and I was chatting to my wife about it this morning because um I can't remember she has some reference to it in a book that she's read um Anyhow, she was telling me that it started off as a 60-page book 
or the, oh, sorry, there were 60 diagnoses in there of, of things that could be wrong with you. And now there's something like 450, you know, five, five episodes uh, later. So that was quite interesting. So I know nothing about it. So it'd be really good to learn about some of that stuff. Yeah, it, yeah, uh, it would be really fun to to go through. I don't know the history all that well myself, so it would be a really good learning experience for me. Uh, I do know some. Um, just a little sneak peek of, of what that might look like. There used to be a one of the very first diagnoses in, in, in the DSM-1 was inadequate personality disorder that the therapist oh, would right. just talk, go around diagnosing people with inadequate personalities, and I always thought that was pretty fun. So I'll pull out a little nuggets like that. We can share tidbits like yeah. that and how, how the film has changed. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And then I just wanted to, I thought maybe we could bring on some other therapists, uh, that, that maybe a therapist that does EMDR or, um, you know, a, a different therapist in different fields and they can kind of talk about the populations that they work with and what that looked like for them as well as their journey into becoming a therapist. And so between people yeah. who've been through therapy or just the mental health field in general or, or the therapist, like I just, I think that this podcast could go a lot of different directions and, and I'm hoping that we can have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. EMDR, that's that's a really interesting one for me. Um, again, I was chatting to my wife about that recently, and she said, because I, I, I have such a poor memory, and she said, oh, you were banging on about EMDR five, six years ago. And I was like, really? I, I, I literally thought I'd just learned that term, and she's like, no, I remember <laughs> you talking about that, where we used to live, and going on. But it, it's fascinating to me, EMDR, this idea that you... You you don't necessarily have to dig fully into the depths of of you know what's you don't have to have months and months necessarily of of, of talking therapy. But you, this idea of, of of bringing something to mind and, and sort of I suppose it's bringing the physical into it and and actually what's going on from a physical point of view as well as a mental point of view. That's uh, yeah I, I I know nothing about it. That's about as much as I know. So I'd, I'd be really interested to talk about that and maybe as well I, I did have the idea that i could discuss i have to check about confidentiality and, and so on but discuss what i'm doing at college and and how those lessons are going um last week we did about um i've actually forgotten that's a good start isn't it <laughs> i know what it was you like contracting and and boundaries and and that kind of thing which you know it's all stuff to it's it's really important and you just don't think about it when you first first get into this and, yeah and you know and again that also brings up some anxieties because you imagine when you you think oh i'm going to be a counselor yeah i'm going to sit down and chat to people and help them and then you suddenly realize well i've got to put boundaries in place because otherwise it could all go completely off the rails and you know so that's uh that would be a worry. So it's all all interesting stuff that we could talk about. Yeah, yeah, and I, I love that you bring that up because that's um, that's what I'm hoping to lean into our next episode with is um, the differences between the states and the UK and um, what you know what that looks like in terms of educational path and um, yeah. just mental health in general. And I think that would be a really fun next episode for us to discuss what those differences look like. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you know, I just, you've alluded to it a little bit about the amount of qualifications and experience you need to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. It, 
in the States. And, you know, it's just massive compared to what it is here. And I thought that I had a task on my hands. Um, but if I was over there, I'd, I'm too old. I'd, I'd, I'd be, <laughs> be game over by the time I'd completed it. But... <laughs> I love it. All right, Rich. Yeah. Well, um, is there anything else that you, you feel like you wanted to share for our first episode? Um, no, I think, uh, I think hopefully I've rambled enough. No, it was great. I, I loved hearing, I loved hearing uh, how this has come to be and your story and all of that. I'm looking forward to, to future episodes. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for, thank everybody for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks guys.